on. Pray that God will will bless you. It's His Word, so I trust that He will. You'll you'll get past my frailties and and all my my issues. But um, we're going to go Psalms chapter 19 tonight. Psalms chapter 19. It's relatively a short chapter. There's only 14 verses in there. But I'd like to go through that with you all. And uh, we'll see what happens by the time we get down to the end. Once we get uh, talk about uh, Psalms 19 for a little bit, we'll kick over into the New Testament. We'll look at a thing or two there. And then, uh, and then well... And we'll go home, I guess, with whatever the Lord would have for us. But uh, but let's uh, let's read Psalms 19 together. It starts off saying, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them have he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Father in heaven, I do thank you for your written word, how you preserved it for us. Lord, I thank you for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Lord, for an opportunity to come together and as this uh, local body of believers to, Lord, to gather around your word and, and desire that your Holy Spirit would guide us and teach us in the truths of your word. Lord, please open up our eyes. Please take the distractions, the cares of this world far from our minds. And Lord, help us to concentrate on you, Lord, that uh, we might see you, Lord, that our, our hearts would be softened, Lord, that we would become more obedient followers and children of you. Thank you so much for your love for us. Most of all, Lord, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross for the remission of our sins. Lord, uh, I pray now that all things will be done for your honor and glory and that you'd be pleased in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, as we look at that particular psalm, again, it's a relatively short psalm, and I believe it's pretty clear on how it's broken up. It looks like it's in three parts to me. Let, let's look at the end of it and then kind of go back and, and see how we got there. What I was most taken by this in, in my reading of it was how the, the psalmist, David, uh, was affected. And, and look at what he asked for. Um, he says, who can, verse number 12, who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. 
Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. That is not your average prayer. I don't know about you, but I want to pray in the Holy Spirit. And, I, and it's my goal, it's my attempt to let the Spirit speak to me and teach me how to pray. But often I don't find myself praying like this. Oftentimes it's, it's prayers for others and prayers of uh, what I perceive my needs are. Uh, but boy, what a prayer that we see in David here. Verse number 12, who can understand his errors? Well, whose errors is he talking about? If we just stop right there, we could pick around, well, maybe people around him or whatever, but certainly, and I'm not, you can tell I'm no English teacher, nor am I an English major, but we can clearly see this is David talking about his own, uh, because as he goes from his errors, cleanse thou me from secret faults, keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins, let them not have dominion over me. This is specifically David. David's talking about his own sins. They have bothered him. Sin should bother us more than bother us. Sin should break us. Sin should bring us to a point where we're crying out to God. Look at David's words here. He's asking that he would understand his errors. I like the fact that, uh, one, he says, keep thy, get back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. What do we, well, we know what presumptuous means, right? What, what does presumptuous mean? Tim, what's presumptuous mean? Okay, another way of saying presumptuous, think of yourself better than you are. What else? Think you know better. Just moving on kind of carelessly through, right? Presumptuous. You're just going to go on. Have you, have you ever done that? You know, we're, we're obviously not answering out loud, but, th- but think about that. Have we ever just, we, you know, we know it's sin, but we just, we just move on. Uh, mm, David says, keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. You know, that's exactly what happens with sin. You give in to sin a little bit. You, you, you become careless with it, and all of a sudden it will have you. Sin will always take us further than we want to go. It will, it will take over in our lives, and it will have dominion over you. You don't want anything to have dominion over you. You are the Lord's. If you're a born-again believer, you don't want anything to have power over you, let alone sin, sin that he died for, uh, Look at that's what happens when we just move on carelessly into sin or even around sin. It can have dominion over you and it'll take you quick. You're no match for sin. Uh, your flesh likes it. Your flesh likes it a lot. You 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 become flipping around it. You're going to keep going with it and it's going to have dominion over you. And I shall be verse 13 at the end of that. And I shall be innocent from thy great transgression. You know. Um, for lack of preparation and time, I couldn't study that out. I think that's interesting uh, when he calls that out from the great transgression. Uh, what might that be? I have some ideas, but I really didn't study that out, so I won't, uh, won't hang on that. Probably verse 14, I'm going to guess, is probably the most um, popular, if I will, if I could say it that way, most popular verse in that particular chapter. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord my strength and my redeemer. So much said there. So much said there. Let the words of my mouth. Think about your day. Just think about some of the things you've said or what you didn't say. How about the meditation of our heart? What are we dwelling on? What are we thinking about? When you have a, a break in your day, and I can only imagine uh, some of your days as I get to know you a little bit and 
hear about all the things going on. I mean, some of you have some some very, very, very busy lives. Uh, if you get a little bit of time to meditate, think, what, what is your heart thinking about? You're just looking for a nap. Sometimes that's the truth, right? We're just looking for a nap. But but what, what does our heart meditate on? What, what do we want? David clearly at this point wants to please the Lord. That's where we need to get to. We need to get to the point where we want to please the Lord all the time. If you're anything like me, I like to please me. I, I, I like to I like to be comfortable. I like to I like to I like to please me. Think about the things that I like. Think about the things that make things easier for me. How can I get out of doing something that I don't want to do? The meditation of our heart, the words of our mouth, they should be acceptable in the sight of the Lord. What does the Lord want us to do? So how does somebody get to a point like this where they're going to pray like that? We look at how that chapter unfolds. Look at how it starts. It starts off by the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Then he goes in and talks about how the sun has its... You know, it's God's creation, isn't it? It's magnificent. How often do we take time to just look around at God's creation? I don't want to speak for, for you, but I, I, I wonder, do we... And when we look around at things, do we, do we really think about God? And do we stop and praise Him and marvel at... I mean, where we live in this, in this part of the country, eastern Tennessee... Creation is beautiful around here. Oklahoma? Even, even Canada? No, Canada's got some good. I mean, God's creation all around is just, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, but especially as the psalmist writes off here, he's looking upward, isn't he? He's looking upward. Uh, you know, I heard this, and I, again, I did not have time to fact check and make sure all this was right. I heard this in somebody's sermon. They said, I believe it was Theodore Roosevelt. They said Theodore Roosevelt would would uh, would, would have a dinner at the White House, and uh, he'd have a bunch of leaders, maybe from the, uh, different heads of state or even from uh, around the world. He'd have different leaders there. They eat dinner, and what Theodore Roosevelt did before he went and talked business, they would all go out into the front yard of the White House and sit in some chairs. Now, he smoked a cigar. I don't encourage that, but he would sit up and look at the star. They wouldn't talk at all. They would just gaze at the star. After a certain amount of time. He would get up and say, okay, I think, I think, I'm not paraphrasing, but he wanted them to grasp how small they really were in the world. That, if that's true, and I think it is, but that, that's, that's wise. That's wise. When you look at the, you look at creation, we are small, aren't we? For, for us to be concentrating all the time and putting so much effort, so much attention, so much of our resources into our infinite little circle of pleasure, that becomes dangerous for us. What does God have for us to do? And maybe, maybe uh, I don't know where you, where you are, your sphere of influence or what you do, but maybe it's not all that big. But it's one part of the, it's one part of God's creation that probably Brother Freddie isn't in, if Judy's there, but it, Brother Freddie's not in the same sphere of influence Brother Tim is. You know, and, and we're all in a different spot. And what are we doing for God in that? I know what we're doing for ourselves, or, you know, like I said, I know what I'm doing for me. But what are we doing for God? Are we looking and marveling at Him, knowing that He is God? When you look up at that sky, I, I don't know how many, 
I guess it's billions of stars, right? You know, they, I don't know how NASA could figure out all that on how many there are, but there's, and there's a tremendous amount of stars. You know what the scriptures say? God named every one of them. And then look at the picture that the, the psalmist gives through the Holy Spirit, of course, on the sun. And how the sun comes forth as a bridegroom. What what kind of things pop in your mind when you think of that? Who's a bridegroom in the scriptures? Christ. Who's the church? Who's his bride? Who's the church? Okay. Free one. You got that one. All right. And he likens the sun to that. Do you and I ever, when we see the sun, do we ever say, ah, there's there's a picture of the gospel. There's a picture of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we think like that? I, I, I know the, the the world when they we think of sunrises and sunsets, it becomes romantic, right? When I when I see a sunset, I want to be right next to that girl right there. That that's my wife. I want to be next to her. But sunset. But more so than romance and beauty of things, God. That that God says is a picture of Him. And what he's done for us. The psalmist clearly started to get a perspective change, uh, uh, an understanding of, of, of who he was. And then as he goes from the grandeur of, of uh, creation, especially the sky, and he starts to pull it down, where does he go from there? Where does he go from, from creation? What's next in this chapter? Ah, you read it. What's next? What's he pointing out? Diane? Commandments. Another word for commandments is what? God's Word. Now, David goes from the the grandeur of God's creation and and how that speaks of him. And then he starts to pull it in and look at the fact of God's Word. And then look what we get. We get six different, um, I don't want to say illustrations, six different call-outs of God's Word uh, as he calls this out. Um, Let's look at this. Uh, verse starting in verse seven. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Next, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Wow. He used six different words to describe elements of God's word, and every one of them came with a blessing, a reward. Is that how we look at God's word? Or are we getting up in the morning, ah, I get my three, five, one chapter in a day. I gotta read the, the Psalm, I did the daily bread, or whatever the case is. It, or are we looking at this for what this is? I dare say, it's impossible for us to really understand what this really is and to, to hold it to its true value. But we can get glimpses of it. And that's, that glimpses of those, uh, of the truth and the reality that this is God's word that he went to great lengths to preserve for you and I. I think we should be running to this. I think when there's a break in the day rather than Looking to check the scores or the, the, we ain't looking at the SP 50 or we ain't looking at financial things, right? We don't want to see that right now. Shouldn't we be running to God's word to get a truth, a nugget out of that? What's he saying about that? 
Because you all know God's word, uh, although it, 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 in a sense it's a history book, it's a his story book, right? It's about him. And he gives us insight of us as we read this word. Words that could be written 2,000 years ago still work and penetrate into our hearts today. If we want that. But we need to be honest with one another. Do we want that? I know this is a Wednesday night crowd. Yeah, we want that. Yeah, we love God. We're all about that. I I just want you to reflect and be real. Is that really what you want? Is that really what I want? Because it would show out in our life in different ways. I know it would. I know it would. Let's go over to Luke chapter 7. Actually, let's go Revelation chapter 3 for a minute. I want to look at how God, a couple scenarios of how maybe somebody lost the perspective of God and what happens. Uh, this is familiar portions of Scripture. Starting off in Revelation chapter 3, we'll look at verse 15. You know how uh, the Lord Jesus Christ commanded John to write have the, the right to the angels of the seven different churches, right? This is the last of the churches. This is the seventh church, the Laodicea church, uh, church in Laodicea. Uh, look what he says. I know thy works. This is Jesus speaking on the church. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou were cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth, because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. That church thought they were all right. That church thought that they were they were living for God. I, I bet they were meeting on a Wednesday night. I bet you they were singing hymns. I bet you they were doing all that. But God knows the heart. God looked inside the heart and said, this is your problem. You don't think you need it. Now, we know we need things. We need things. We need things, but do we really know what we need? Remember how David finished that psalm. What David needed was to be aware of his faults. For his, for him to be kept back from, from the sins and the presumptuous sins. He knew what he needed. We don't want to be like the church of Laodicea. Out of the seven, it looks like that's the worst one based on what Jesus said. Just my opinion, but that looks like the worst one. We don't have to be like that. We don't have to be. That, that, that's the, that's the great hope and the blessing, but it's the indictment as well because we don't have to be, but if yet we find ourselves in that, whose fault is that? Let's go Luke chapter 7. Hey, just so y'all know, this really isn't the kind of message that I like to give anyhow. Um, so, but I can't say I'm sorry about it because this is what I feel like the Lord had me to, to, to bring up. Check this out. We're going Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. We're going to look at two individuals, two very different individuals. Both of them encountered Jesus. Check this out. Luke 7, verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him, Jesus, that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, 
when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she's a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Did you get did you get that? Did, did, did you get that? He didn't speak that. He said that within his heart. And Jesus said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. Then look at his response. And he saith, Master, say on. You think he knew that Jesus knew what he said in his heart? I'm guessing no. Go ahead, Master. What do you got to say to me? You, you're going to bless me? You're going to tell me? He's a Pharisee, right? We all know what a Pharisee is. A Pharisee was diligent. They knew the Scriptures. They knew the Scriptures, and they were diligent at doing works, spiritual works, spiritual acts. They they lived a clean life. They're, they're, there was no rock music on their radio. We'll just kick down all the little straw horses. There was no alcohol in their, their cupboards. There was, you know, all the things that we, we as, you know, yeah, you know. Anyways, he's, Master, say a thon. Jesus says in verse 31, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence, the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose he that whom he forgave the most. He said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. Watch this. He, Jesus, turned to the woman and said unto Simon. I find that fascinating, too. He's still addressing Simon, but he's not even looking at him. He turns to the woman. Seest thou this woman? I entered into thy house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time, since the time I came and had, and had no nonsense and not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Wow, that is an amazing portion of Scripture. Here this Pharisee who devoted his whole life to spiritual things, his whole life, diligent at everything, calls Jesus into his house. I don't know what he was expecting. I'm thinking he probably was expecting a blessing. He was he was probably checking Jesus out because he really doesn't believe yet. But but there's something about Jesus, and Jesus is certainly doing miracles. That's being said all over the place. He invites him in. It's it's kind of a good step. But here comes this woman. There's no sign in the scripture that she was even invited. She stands behind Jesus. She's not even at the table. She stands behind Jesus, and then she does what she does. And yet this Pharisee, when he looks at that, says, oh, in his heart. 
That's despicable. That that that's terrible. He thought bad of Jesus that Jesus would let that go on. He certainly did not have a high regard for the woman. Now I ask you, looking back at that psalm, looking at the church of Laodicea, is it not possible we can become a whole lot more like that Pharisee than that woman? We can we can look on the outward side and think, oh, that that's unclean. And she was unclean. There's no mistake about that. That's what the scriptures laid out. She she was a sinner. She had a lot of sin. But somehow, with no words, she engaged in incredible true worship. She did it with tears. She did it with the hair. What does the scripture say about a woman's hair? It's her glory. She took her hair. And she took the, 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 the continents of that alabaster box, which had to be, I'm guessing was a good portion of her, her, uh, subsidence, if not all, and poured it out on the, the feet of our Savior and washed it with the hairs of her head. Not even saying a word, not even looking in his eyes, did this all with tears coming out of her own eyes. That's worship. That's worship. And I think if you and I were to think and to really grasp the sin that has been in our life, the, 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 the reality that outside of Christ we've got no shot. But once we've met Christ and what we've got in that, now joint heirs with the King, headed towards heaven, you think we'd be a whole lot more desiring to serve Him. To look for where he is and what he's all about and what can we possibly do for him because I'm thinking this woman knew she, she just wanted to bless him because he was that righteous because he was, he was, he was God. He is God. You and I having our King James Bibles in our hands, probably multiple at our home, maybe one in our car, one in our desk at work. We've got the word of God. And how often are we worshiping God? Like He deserves to be worshipped. And I, I know. And if you're anything like me, and I say this to, to my utter shame, I'm sacrificing sleep, coming out on a Wednesday night, I'm worshiping God. Come on now. That's pitiful. If that's ever come up in my mind. I tell you it has. Sunday. Boy, I, there's so much I could do. You know, I'm going to go to worship God because that's the right thing to do. Is that coming with a heart of worship to God? I hate that about myself. When I think like that and I look for God, all of a sudden David's prayer at the end of Psalm 19, that becomes a whole lot more real to me and a whole lot more meaningful because I need that. I got presumptuous sins. My life is full of error. It's a holy and righteous God that reached out to me when I was in darkness and opened up my eyes. Why he did that, I don't know. But the, Well, yeah, I do. I do know why he did Because he wants glory out of me, just like he wants glory out of you. He wants glory out of us. Let's do it. Let's get in his word and let that do its demolition on us. Let it break up that hardened, fallible heart. And open up our, our, our eyes because as much as we can say we know the scriptures, 
we got a whole lot more to know, right? We got a whole lot more to know. We can, we need to fellowship with him and worship him like he wants it. Not like we think, yeah, we got it good enough. I don't, hopefully you didn't need any of that. I needed all of it. Just saying, I needed all of it. I just ask you to take a minute or two and, and you talk to the Lord.